Welcome to Source Not Found, a show about the worst versions of your favorite things. Every other week, we talk about IPs, franchises, and fandoms solely through their sequels, side projects, and spinoffs. Basically, anything except for the source material. My name is Bo Woodall, and uh, girls with asses like mine do not talk to boys with faces like yours. And I'm Ashley. That's me. <laughs> so that's a, maybe a deep Amanda Bynes cut. I'm Brandon June, uh, and I'm just wondering... Do you, uh, do you like cheese? <laughs> God, that was such a deep cut and so good. Uh, yeah, I love, I love smoked Gouda. A full wheel of it in a box. <laughs> wrapped and placed on my dorm bed. Uh, guys, this week we're talking about She's All That. No, wait. We're talking about She's the Man. A She's you, movie. Thank you. I almost watched, uh, there were so many of these, I was like halfway to watching, uh, what was it, the other one, she's like throwing up the peace sign in the cover, uh, What a Girl Wants, Own that another one. Amanda Bynes movie. Yep, own yeah. that one. I can't keep all these, I can't keep this shit straight. When yeah. did we pivot, like, Twilight, uh, Christmas Prince, now we got this, like, when did we become just like teenage girls in 2004? I've always been a teenage girl in 2004, uh, I don't know about you, but. Um, I'm, I'm steadily finding myself, I guess. This week we're talking about She's the Man. There we go. The 2006 movie with starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum that uh, is inspired by, believe it or not, the bard himself, William Shakespeare. Guys, it's February. It's what most people see as Romance Month. Um, my partner and I do not. My wife and I. Um, we celebrate Friday the 13th, which is pretty ironic based on this podcast's history. But uh, we, do, we do not celebrate Valentine's Day. But the big man Shakespeare himself was a big fan of that good, good love. And so we're going to talk about it a little bit through this 2006 modernization of Twelfth Night or uh, what you will. This was actually my first experience with Shakespeare, Twelfth Night. Um, oh, God, I thought, you, I thought you meant she's the man. I was like, you're the worst <laughs> fucking English major I've ever met in my I life. Say, remember last time we were talking about missing a couple classics along the way? So this Shakespeare guy, I hear he's yeah. good. Oh, um, oh, Billy Shakespeare. I heard he's great. I love Bill. The, uh, I think it's 1996, the, the film version of Twelfth Night with like Helena Bonham Carter yeah. and uh, Sir Benjamin Kingsley. Um, that, I remember my mother renting that, and I don't know... I watched a good portion of it with her, and I have no idea. I was I actually rewatched it uh, before watching this movie, just to kind of revisit it. And uh, I read through the play as well because um, I really enjoy it. I like that that play. I think it's a good one. And uh, I was like, "What possessed me as probably a nine year old to sit and watch this movie for more than like thirty seconds? I I couldn't figure it out. Getting to but something about it did capture my attention even as a child. So I I that brings me to an Maybe an interesting question. We'll see. Um, Twelfth Night was your introduction to Shakespeare. Did you have any like incredibly memorable Shakespeare experiences? Something that just like mm. is is he the reason you fell in love with English? You know, like like the the concept of literature and, and writing, or like do you ever see the play a play that just like jumped out and punched you in the mouth hole? Right. You know. Um... Not really. I mean, it's like the just the usual like, all right, high school, you're going through like all the hits, you know, Macbeth and, and Hamlet. You know, I, I don't have any like deep sort of like hot takes on Shakespeare. They're great. They made an impression on me at the time when I read them. And every time I've seen them, seen that story conveyed through a different adaptation or just seen it live, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, how about you? So I have two experiences. Whenever I was in middle school. Uh, we lived in Abingdon, Virginia, home of the Barter Theater, a very, a very old playhouse in, in Virginia. It's called Barter Theater because you like people used to actually barter like loaves of bread or crop or meat so they could see a play there. They would do that instead of purchase the ticket with, you know, currency. Bartering for the bard. Bartering. Yeah, yeah, you damn right. Uh, my mom was the office manager there, so I get to sneak in and see all sorts of plays. And one of the first oh, yeah. ones I saw was The Tempest. 
mm-hmm. and seeing that play as a middle schooler will fuck your entire worldview up. <laughs> like it, it was rough. I saw, I saw the Tempest. I saw Twelfth Night. I saw A Midsummer Night Dream, Hamlet, Macbeth. I, I probably saw ten or twelve Shakespearean plays. Dude, Titus Andronicus fucked me up real bad. Um, mm. But I probably saw ten or twelve Shakespearean plays in like the span of a year and a half, um, and and fell in love with it. And then whenever I was in high school, um, I ended up moving to St. Louis as a junior in high school. Which, hey, uh, listeners, if you're under the age of fifteen, one, what are you doing? And two, <laughs> relocating during high school is the worst thing. It's it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But something that didn't suck was I took Shakespeare as soon as I arrived. And I met this wonderful teacher who will live on with me forever. Her name was Kelly Dawson at the time. Her name is now Kelly Barbin. She's wonderful. I love her so much. Um, Hi, Mrs. D. She gave me the part of Horatio to read in Hamlet. And I did research on that character. I jumped into it. I memorized my lines, even though it was a class reading. Like, I fucking loved it, dude. She called me Horatio all through all through high school. And then one of my big writing assignments in college was I wrote a short story based on the character. And I mean, it just hell yeah. Shakespeare has been a a big uh, a big part of my my jam English wise since I mean, fuck, since since middle school. I'm. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little jealous because I love all those plays you listed. I haven't seen proper productions of most of them. Oh, these were not proper you know? productions. Well, actually, I take that back. They were they were absolutely incredible. I guess non classmate acted. Oh, <laughs> in fair high enough. Okay, cool, cool. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of these I read, um, you know, going through my typical public school experience, and then some of them that I missed along the way, I went back and sought out on my own just to get a better, you know, overview of the canon of literature. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if the productions at Barter Theater were top notch. I don't know if these were like touring productions or like, you know, touring cast or something like that. But all I know is that a middle schooler, I was on fucking Broadway every time I was in, in there. <laughs> right. Like it, it blew my mind. They were all incredible. Everything about it was, was absolutely wonderful. So I have a question for you. Today we're talking about Shakespeare by other means. Okay. Aside from this. Do you have any favorite adaptations of a Shakespearean work? Other than The Lion King? Sure. I mean, that, that works. I, I don't know, man. It, he's, so, he's so prevalent. Like, the, yeah. the conceits that he tosses in there. I mean, Prospero and the Tempest can kind of be looked at as like a classic magician taking into, like, an Elminster in Faerun sort of which I just, I just said words that no one really probably knows. Um, but like, there's so much prevalence in both literature and media for Shakespeare that it's, it's hard to choose one. It is. I will say maybe uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe Stoppard. I could be wrong on that. I'd have to actually look it up. But... One of the funniest plays I've ever seen or read in my entire life. I absolutely love it. I think for me, I have a, a less, uh, what do I want to say, literary take. I mean, I, there are some good ones, right? I, I like just a lot of the wacky ones, like uh, Scotland, PA, you know, that yeah. film, the Macbeth story reimagined as like the warring between two fast food chains in the 70s. That was a fun one. Random ones like that. But I think my favorite actually is the, it's about a minute and a half in the middle of the movie Last Action Hero. Oh, God damn it. That's so good. <laughs> when well the played. kid is in English class and watching the, the film Hamlet and starts like imagining, because he's obsessed with Schwarzenegger movies. Yeah. And starts imagining a Schwarzenegger version of Hamlet. And if you've never seen this, I mean, The Last Action Hero is a, just a wonderful, funny, fun film. Highly recommend it. But just seeing Schwarzenegger go through the fucking castle with an Uzi and then that last scene of him standing in front, to be or not to be, lights the cigar, castle explodes, not to be. I mean, I, I just don't top that for me. <laughs> I, okay, so you said that, and it, it did bring a, 
a memory crystallized within me. Did you see the the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet? I've never seen that actually. With no. uh with Leo and Claire Danes. Yeah, no, I did I missed that. Dude, something that will always strike me as just such a badass scene. And you know what, guys, come at me. It's fine. But uh Mercutio throws his gun into the sand and it sticks barrel first into the sand and along the barrel of the gun it just says dagger on the gun i mean all of their guns are named like longsword or or sword or dagger or something like that but mercutio has smaller guns and they're both called daggers and he throws one into the ground and it sticks in the ground like a dagger and it just says dagger along the barrel of the gun and then Mercutio <laughs> okay. with his open shirt and his dreads with the beach in the background. And that was just a cool fucking scene. Like, yeah, he dies right then. Spoilers. But like, God, it's just it's really, really neat. I do need to check that out. I've I've enjoyed like uh, some of his productions. I enjoyed I enjoyed his Gatsby. Moulin Rouge. Yeah. But we're not talking about. No, any we're not talking about films. just Boslerman today. We're talking about a much uh, what do I want to say a much tamer production. Definitely than a Lerman. Though, according to one of the, the, the main character's father, there's a lot more nudity than he remembers. <laughs> She's the man. Um, what to say? Well, before we get into it, uh, as I always yeah. do with movies, I have a little bit of uh, precursor information. Let's get it. Because I brought this movie to the table. You did. My wife and I watched this. As well as Christmas Prince. Uh, yeah, um, you are so welcome. You need to stop. You need to stop <laughs> it. I had to sign up for a one-week free trial to Paramount Plus just so I could watch this, and I still feel like I overpaid. No, uh, yeah, we own the DVD. I watched all of the extras in preparation for this recording. Dude, all of them. The making of, the gag reel, the commentary. You know, I, I am a fuck. I know you said last episode or two episodes ago, I shouldn't call you a scholar. I am a fucking she's the man scholar now. Uh, so one of us had to do it. And I thank you for your service. Absolutely. You're welcome. But uh, this movie came out March 17th, 2006. Budget, $20 million. Huh. That seems like not a lot, right? I mean, but considering what it entails. Right, but I mean, yeah. like, like, look at what we saw on the screen for Blood Rain. You know, like, yeah. production value-wise. Blood Rain is not a good metric I know. to judge. <laughs> it really <laughs> is not. Else. <laughs> um, the opening weekend for this movie, it made $11 million. Worldwide gross, it made $57 million. All right. It did pretty good for, for yeah. what it had going on. Uh, as I normally do, I went ahead and got the top five for that weekend. Uh, v for Vendetta was number one, released on the same day as this movie. So the same weekend, V for Vendetta took it. Uh, Failure to Launch, the Matthew McConaughey, Sarah Jessica Parker flick, was number two, released the week before. She's the Man, number three, on the box office charts. And then The Shaggy Dog with Tim Allen, released the week before. And The Hills Have Eyes, also released the week before. <laughs> that's our top five just, for march 17 2006 just chock-a-block full of hits baby it's just a trilogy of wacky hijinks bookended by two very different more visceral experiences i was gonna on, say on the hills have there. eyes and v for vendetta bookended by just absolute just oh, slapstick shit interesting okay and people chose you know they're out there they chose to see this how could you you know how could you choose where to spend your dollar Failure to launch or she's the man. That's a tough choice. So fair, failure to launch had some things going for it that this movie did. I've never seen it. I have. Let me guess. You own that too? Okay. Um, no, I, do, I don't Surprisingly, know. I don't. I <laughs> no. don't. We will, not be, okay. we will not be covering that film ever. Okay, good. Um, even though Bradley Cooper's in it and so is Justin Bartha. It's just, it's a, it's a treat. Um, okay. I'll take your word for it. Before we cover the Twelfth Night part, I wanted to give a brief rundown of the plot summary from IMDb. And this is the official plot summary, not submitted by a user, but submitted by IMDb. Right, okay. Viola Hastings, played by Amanda Bynes, is in a real jam 
Complications threaten her scheme to pose as her twin brother Sebastian and take his place at a new boarding school. She falls in love with her handsome roommate Duke, who loves beautiful Olivia, who has fallen for Sebastian. As if that were not enough, Viola's twin returns from London ahead of schedule, but has no idea that his sister has already replaced him on campus. That's the movie. That sums it up. That's it. But, and just, it's that for, I mean, it's, it's a lot longer than it needs to be. What is this like? An hour and 40? Hour and 45. You feel every minute of it. And so it's that plot, and it's just padded out with a lot of uh, montages and All-American Rejects. And OAR. I was, I was unfortunately happy to hear OAR for some reason. Yeah, there's a, the one montage. Which montage is it? It's um, the soccer montage when she's like getting better because of her training with Duke and, oh, and yeah, yeah, getting yeah. after it. And it's to Charlie Tuna's International. And uh, Jurassic 5 is like, that's the group that got me interested in hip hop. Yeah. So when I hear those beautiful bassy tones, yeah. my ears prick up. So that was a good one. And OK Go as well jumps in there, which... Right, right, right. OK Go is, I mean, I love me some OK Go. The soundtrack is very 2000s. The entire film is very 2000s. Yes. Very time capsule of the, of the era, for sure. So, so Twelfth Night, before we get into the movie, and it's, and it's plot beyond the synopsis, Twelfth Night is a pretty mm-hmm. easy thing to describe, right? It's the, the classic case of love triangle mixed with mistaken identity. I guess that aspect of it is, and then you get into like all these peripheral characters and like tricking Malvolio into thinking, you know, that Olivia is actually has the hots for him and right. Right. Like faking some handwriting. And there's a, there's a bunch of other stuff that complicate matters. And actually like, you know, the dramatic irony in the final scene of like, everyone's slowly realizing like, wait, we don't just have one character here. We have twins and they, we've been like confusing one for the other in certain scenes and their actions are impacting the other and we're attributing one's actions to the other right right but we haven't yet had the the reuniting of the two siblings who believe one another is dead um having just watched the movie i was like man this is is a lengthy series of it just like seems to nod into itself until it can't get any more complex and just like the tension building because there's so many different things hinging upon this revelation it's very well done it's so such a phenomenal question play. um yeah and correct me if i'm wrong here because it's it's been a while since i've watched or read 12th night but viola does not take the place of her sibling she just becomes a man she becomes cesario right did i say that i i just meant i guess like you have the two siblings when sebastian shows up and he's right. interacting with some of these characters who th- believe they've been interacting with cesario we start getting confused okay, about it. like, oh, are you, is that the sibling that did that? Or we're thinking it's just all Cesario, right? So you're not, you're not anyway. implying that Viola in the play takes this place of Sebastian as opposed to Cesario and Sebastian are kind of uh, interchangeable in certain sense. I didn't if, if it came off that way. Yeah. It could be that she's the man is in, in uh, what I want to say, negatively impacting my, <laughs> maybe my day old remembrance of Twelfth Night. Because <laughs> we do have that going on here. You know, uh, I don't know. It does make it easier to watch as a film, just being like, okay, fine, they're siblings. She takes the place of her yeah. twin brother. It's, it's fine. Sure. Why include a third identity? Like, why include a, th- a, a tertiary character that can play off everybody when it's just as easy to increase the drama by just making her take the place of Sebastian? And you have the additional stakes of, like, she's trying to prove herself as a female. It's like the Mulan thing, right? Like, right. people are dismissing her because she's female. They think she cannot play soccer with the boys, and she's going to prove them wrong. And that's inherent in taking over her sibling's identity, right? Right. And it's a, the major plot points that this is the driving force through this, this whole movie. Yeah. Agreed. Um, this is a little, this is a, a, little, uh, a little taste of a corner that we may jump into a little bit later. But um, initially in the script, she was trying out for the role of Hamlet. There was no soccer. It was going to be a theater kid movie. Oh, really? Interesting. And instead they wanted like a feminine empowerment aspect of it. That's interesting. That, that gets a little more, right? You have like the framing of Twelfth Night and then within the Twelfth Night we have now Hamlet, just yeah. like Shakespeare on Shakespeare, just Inception. In, Shakespeare, in Shakespeare, Inception. yeah. Yeah. In, Inception, whatever. 
Um, you went, I, I thought about going for it, and I, re- yeah. I regret it. <laughs> I appreciate your, your boldness. <laughs> I, I regret it immensely now. Uh, it came out horribly. So this movie is, is easy to talk about. Like, there, there's, there's not a lot of meat on these bones. Yeah. I don't know how faithful of a retelling it is of Twelfth Night. Mm, not really. It's not really. But, no. Yeah. Yeah. But it does what the 2000s did pretty well, where it's like, hey, we're going to take an idea that's been seen and done before, and we're going to make it 2000s We're mm-hmm. going to put all of the aughts all over it and package it nicely and send it out into the world. So we've got at the beginning, we've got some hardcore 2000s ass credits. Yeah. There's like paint splash and uh, kind of like a girl-led pop punk band and a lot of camera flashes mm-hmm. and camera flare and freeze frames and bikinis with denim short shorts. Yeah, it's a hyperactive uh, version of a what like an Abercrombie and Fitch. I was gonna, say, I was gonna like say, a, if, a bunch of real hot teens playing soccer. On if the you beach. could just freeze frame individual moments of the TV show The OC. You basically just get those credit sequences. Yeah. And the only thing we get from those credits is that Amanda Bynes' character, Viola, Viola, is pretty good at soccer. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend's kind of a dick. Yeah. And she is very uh, annoying. Yeah. Was my major takeaway. Um, she's pretty annoying throughout this movie, but she, she something about her changing gender as Sebastian, maybe it's because it's now like it's played for laughs, like her awkwardness at trying to fit in with the guys. But when she's just left to her full devices, like I don't know, there's just like very two thousands jokes, like one eight hundred biatch. Yeah, the the biatch thing, I, I I actually giggled at because I was like, holy shit, that is the most two thousands thing she could probably say. Yeah, she's just got this like sort of grading register, and I, I you know, I was like, oh man, is it going to be this? Is she? Gets more, what do I want to say, um, relatable and likable as the movie goes on. Yeah. But at first, it's... For two weeks, there is a, a pretty good amount of character growth that happens in those two weeks. But I'll tell you who doesn't grade on me at all. And one of the performances of the movie is Julie Haggerty as her mom. God, I love Julie Haggerty. I do, too. I, one of my favorite movies, growing up and then now, is What About Bob with yeah. Bill Murray and Richard yeah. Dreyfuss. And she's great in that, so. She's also great as Ryan Reynolds' mom in Just Friends. Okay. I have seen that. I would need a refresher. But uh, her, like, she's trying to just, like, turn her daughter into a, a fancy debutante. Yep. The way she, like, prants around, like, but then, like, pouts and tries to dress up her daughter in all these dresses. And then, like, she gets into this sudden, like, lustful register when she starts talking about uh, Justin. her daughter's boyfriend, Justin. He's so chiseled and sculpted. It is a. It why is a why wild don't you date her mom? Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's just having so much fun with it, just like chewing up that scene. Yeah. Just running through all this roller coaster of emotions. And that was fun to watch. Um, but yeah, we've just got basically Viola and her brother Sebastian. He's sneaking out the window of his bedroom with his bedroom door wide open and his mother downstairs. Uh, just master class and, and getting away with it. Yeah. Heading off to London to play music with his. To play music. I don't even think it has a band. He's just playing music. He writes, he writes lyrics and has a guitar, so he's going to London to play music. People are really into his lyrics. Yeah. They're like really so into, into his lyrics. Yeah. Um, but apparently he got kicked out of Viola's current school, whose mm-hmm. girls' soccer t- program just got shut down. And now he's at the competing school, Illyria. Mm-hmm. One of many sort of random surface level nods to places and locations yeah. and characters. Considering in, in that uh, Viola's school is currently Cornwall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of hate this. This one's not so bad, but I love seeing an adaptation where they take not just the, the names of characters or locations, but they really look at what the original was and they subvert it in some way or do a fun play on it, like do something ironic or humorous. This movie is 90% just like, we got a grab bag of names and characters, like names from the original work, and let's just pull it out like, um, let's see, who should Malvolio be? Let's make him the tarantula. Sure, why not? You know, like, there's not much to that, because they they turn, like, they turn festes, like, the sort of 
He's like the the clown. He's listed the, as the clown. The, in the jester original. clown character. The jester yeah. sort, right? And oh man, just to come off like watching Ben Kingsley, just kill it as that character. Oh Funny, god, I, I can't imagine, like, dude. You 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 really fucking hamstrung yourself going. I didn't from, set myself up for success. Yeah, you yeah, really yeah. didn't. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna watch Sir Benjamin Kingsley as, as this clown character, and now I'm gonna watch fucking Malcolm Festus with his spider Malvolio. <laughs> That's the thing, like, Festus is like, oh, man, he just offers so much, like, deep, insightful, and funny wordplay and depth to that story, and just, they turned Festus into, like, they turned him into Malvolio, they made him, like, a fucking hall monitor. Yeah, effectively, he was supposed to be both characters, because they couldn't, they couldn't fit a Festus in there, who they should have just made Paul. Paul just should have been Festus. Yeah, I just wish there had been a little more thought into, like, it even would have lined up better. They have, like... The characters that could be versions of the characters in the original, but they just they do some weird they make some weird choices. I I feel like there are a couple that are done well, which I'll mention later. Uh, there's one that I think is done very well, but some of these like it's fine. The school is named after the kingdom, perfect. Doesn't need to be more than that. But with some of the characters, like I just it felt like a missed opportunity. I agree. So Viola's soccer program gets shut down. She wants to join the boys, or she wants to be able to try out for the boys' soccer team. And the coach decides to go all, girls aren't fast enough or strong enough, what are you thinking? Which I was like, well, well, that's early aughts. Um, And then Viola turns to her boyfriend, who is team captain of the boys' team, and is like, you just told me yesterday that I'm better than half your team. And he's like, "Uh, I, I I never said that. No, 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 no. And so she just fucking ditches him there, goes home, finds out her brother's dipping out and decides to just take her brother's place at the other school to get on their soccer team and come back and show Cornwall that she can kick ass at soccer. Mm -hmm. That's her plan is to be Sebastian, get on the soccer team and kick ass at kick Cornwall's ass in the first game of the year. And you know she achieves it by going with her girlfriends to visit her sassy, uh, frosted tip, hair-having male friend at the salon. And, of course, there is a mustache montage. Just general facial hair montage. Of course, of course there is. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce my first, my first question to you about this. Hmm. What the fuck's up with Paul? He was the, the frosted tip hairdresser yeah. man. Why is he friends with so many high school girls? He seems to be an adult man. Yeah, that I love Paul. I think Paul is a very like a very fun character. I mean, he's an expected cliched character, but I think the actor does a great job with what he is given. I guess we differ on this one. It's it's the most stock ass trope. Oh, yeah, it is. Right. I just I think the actor does a pretty good job with it. I guess he does. I wouldn't blame the actor so much as like he's just not giving any he's not given anything interesting or funny to say. No, he's not. And he doesn't do anything. It's like a sort of just a more mediocre version of the exact responses and sort of, you know, like sassy comebacks and hands folded across the chest that you would expect. Yeah, he is. He is the cliche. Yeah. Yeah. But again, what is up with this grown ass man hanging out with juniors and senior girls of high school? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, you would say, like, is he implicating himself in, in actions and matters that he shouldn't be as an adult? But apparently, I mean, really, who's not at fault by the end of this movie when we have, we have a whole stadium of people seeing underage genitalia? Absolutely, of, we of do. genders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we get to Illyria. Yeah. And I do want to say, Amanda Bynes, I loved all that as a kid. And uh, she joined the cast a little bit later, and she was a younger cast member. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her characters were supposed to be kind of like grating, annoying, like the Ashley reference I made, right? Just like sure. kind of unhinged. And so I never really watched her show growing up, but that's kind of what I like knew about her general sort of type of character that she does. And you get that in the first section of this movie. But she also has some just phenomenal comedic timing and facial expressions. She really does. She chews some words that are wild. It's very fun. They get a lot of mileage out of the same sort of like weird, awkward facial expressions and like moments of panic. But some of them are just the, the first one when they're pulling up in the car and she's like getting all sort of like revved up like, okay, I'm gonna I'm 
I'm gonna go. She steps out of the car, and it's just like a, a dude passing by. What's up? And she just like immediately dives back in the car, like he knew. And it's a very funny yeah. uh, reaction. Yeah. And she does that a few times. But she also does a lot of like I don't really know what she's going for for the like she has some great she's great at reacting. Yes. Uh, to situations, but the general way that she sort of tries to be a male is so cringy sometimes. I her, it's, well, her accent. Yeah. Like, I didn't know what she was doing. I, I, because it's all over the place. Half the time it sounds like, it sounds like the fucking Elvis Presley impression that I probably tried to do as like an eight-year-old. Mixed with Southern, mixed a little bit yeah. with Surfer Guy. Like, she is across the board. Yes. Which, maybe that's what she was going for, I don't know. I, I do have to say something about this scene. I very much liked it for one important reason. I love it anytime there's a soundtrack going in the background and then the marching band shows up and matches that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. always welcome for me. Uh, that's, that's nice. That's really all I have yeah. to say about that. Then we get to meet Channing Tatum. Yay, Channing Tatum. Whose name is Duke Orsino, which is the exact, is the exact goddamn name of the character in the play. Well, same with like Viola and uh, Olivia. Yeah, but they, and most they, of the... named, they named him. That's like naming another person like Duchess something. Like it was. Yeah. It was like, damn, damn, bro. All right, cool. That, that, that's true. That's true. Um, I don't really know what else you could do with it, though, if you did want to connect it. Like neither Duke nor Orsino really lends itself to. Yeah, it'd, it'd be rough, you know. So I was fine with that one. Yeah, he's fine. He's good. He's good in this. He, I, yeah, another this... one. He's got some phenomenal com- comedic timing at a, yeah. a few moments. Yeah. I think Channing Tatum is great. Um, then we move on to the soccer tryouts. Vinny Jones makes a welcome appearance. He's great as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a line that I actually laughed out loud at when he starts handing out, he starts talking about the second string players and he's like, you are just as much a part of this team as the first string players, except for the playing the game bit. And I was just like, fuck off. That's so good. (laughs) Damn it, Vinny. Yeah, the intensity he brings to that role is, you know, I was looking, I, I looked for things to enjoy throughout this, and I, I did find quite a few, more than I expected. That was one of them, uh, as well as Julie Haggerty. I was very disappointed with David Cross. I thought that would be like a high point of the movie for me. And I don't, another one, like, I don't really know what he's going for. He's just like, he's so over the top cartoony. Like, yeah, no one in this movie really acts like a normal human being. You know, it, at times it does feel like, that sort of overacting you get in children's films, like fucking all that skits, you know, just like everyone's just so over the top, but like not in a clever or even like really funny way, just yeah, my, over the top for the sake of being over the top. My initial note was a welcome David Cross, and then I just crossed it out. <laughs> like, I was like, oh man. Yeah, I don't, yeah, another one was like, he, okay, it's a kind of a cliched role, like it's a sort of like hapless, easily bamboozled headmaster of the school that just like all the evidence is in front of him and he's just not seeing it. And he just like explains it away. Like all the strange, like, Oh, wait a second. I don't think this is actually Sebastian here. And he just like has an answer ready to go to just like, you know what I mean? Not realize the truth. Right. But then again, it's just like, we're not doing anything with that really. And he doesn't have anything particularly clever or funny to say. So I was, I was disappointed with David Cross. Yeah. But again, I don't think it's his fault. He's just not given anything to really to, to say. Then uh, Sebastian runs into Olivia for the first time. They they kind of like bump heads. Well, Sebastian, Viola as Sebastian bumps into Olivia, knocks her books down. They have a kind of meet cute sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, how do you not pursue the most beautiful girl in school? Eh. In man words, it's time to pounce. Yeah, it's, it's uh, God damn. And then you meet Malcolm slash Festus slash Malvolio, who... Uh, I did not know he was going to be Malvolio initially, and it, I just wrote a note that says Malcolm can fuck right off. When he, when he sat yeah. down, he's like, did you know baloney is 33% hoof? And I'm like, all right, come on, dude. I, was, I thought it would be more. Uh, we get some more do- dorm room stuff, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. Um, something I did want to, I don't know if this is acting or not, but the shower scene when Channing Tatum walks in and Malcolm is like berating Viola as Sebastian and he towel whips him, that man got hit. Like <laughs> that looked like that fucking hurt. Hmm. 
Like, I that that's that's good shit. Yeah, I mean the the middle half of this, the middle part of this is basically just increasingly like close calls. Like, oh, Viola really needs to take a shower. How does she shower with a bunch of guys? She's got to go in the middle of the night. Oh, like her wig is coming off and someone's passing. Oh, David Cross. Yeah. This might be a little bit later, but like. You're going to become a baldy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I understand male pattern baldness. Um, just stuff like that. And you just sort of like go through that as she steadily gets a little bit better at soccer and deepens her relationship with. Well, so she gets better at Duke. soccer because she agrees with Channing Tatum on something because of the uncomfortable pizza scene where Viola's best friend two girlfriends come in and hang all over her as Sebastian. And then the guys are like, Oh my God, you're a God amongst men sort mm-hmm. of thing, which, you know, they're not wrong. We are, we are that bad in high school. Like we probably would like as, as dudes would be like, Oh my God, you are, you are awesome. <sighs> Stupid. Odds. I guess. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Just, I was reading a lot. Yeah. I was going to say reading books, playing video games. I don't know. I was I was I was in marching band, so I I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get that, and you also get uh, Sebastian's girlfriend, who quickly becomes ex girlfriend as Monique Viola manages to break up with her in front of everybody and just up the legend status. Like, oh, the only thing better, apparently, than this guy and just like having multiple women swoon over him is jumping a hot girl, acting like you don't give a fuck, right? Yeah. But you get that, but it does give depth to Duke's character because eventually you have, I think it's, it's fairly well done. You have Viola and all of her assumptions about what guys are like at that age, and she's playing into that, constantly trying to project out, like, which girl would you rather see naked? That's what we care about. And you, it, it's that exact line that gets the response from Duke, like, why do you always talk like that in such vulgar ways about women? Like, yeah. It's not just about that. So it's a quick way of just like establishing like, yeah, I guess that's the general theme and like the general personality of most of the guys in this cohort, this like soccer team. Um, But it allows Duke to stand out from that. So they they agree. Sebastian agrees with Duke. Duke will teach Sebastian how to be better at soccer to get on first string. To play against Cornwall. If Sebastian Mm -hmm. helps Duke get a date with Olivia. Right. That that's what that's what the that's yeah. what happens, and so you have montage, you have uh, various and sundry scenes about Duke helping her, uh, helping Sebastian Viola play soccer, and there's conversations with Olivia, shit like that. And of course, as you would expect, it backfires. She doesn't become more deeply infatuated with Duke. Instead, Olivia grows to just fall deeply in love with Viola, who she thinks is Sebastian. A true love triangle. Every time, I think it was because I saw this movie, like I said, as a kid. Um, and I got the idea of the love triangle introduced to me. And I see that phrase come up sometimes. And I'm always like, no. I remember like when Final Fantasy VII came out. And I think in the instruction manual, it talks about the love triangle between Eris and Tifa and Cloud. And I remember looking at that, reading that as a kid and being like, that's not a love triangle. Twelfth Night is a love triangle. Because yes, it is. <laughs> you have proper movement between all the poles. That's just two girls liking the same guy. Yeah. Here we've got Duke loves Olivia. Olivia loves Viola, who is Sebastian, who is in love with Duke. We got the proper movement. Yeah. And then Duke is also confusingly attracted to Viola after the carnival. Right. The carnival is basically like Viola needs to go present as herself, as and the young as debutante Sebastian. for her mother's sake, and as Sebastian. In the same, it's the Miss Doubtfire like dinner situation where Robin Williams is going back and forth into the bathroom and changing between the two characters and steadily getting like them sort of mixed up and going to the wrong characters, except it has none of the humor. It's just a big nothing. She gets changed. She changes on a tilt a whirl for God's sake. Like, yeah, just baffling choices and a moon bounce that is full of children. Yeah. I guess it's not full of children when she gets in there, but yeah, a lot of uh, unintentional inadvertent uh, people becoming, um, Sex criminals, potentially. Based on <laughs> at, by the end of this movie, everyone is a sex criminal. <laughs> they all have blue right. dots over their head by the end of this movie. <laughs> um, but it ends with the, the kissing booth. Uh, Duke kisses yeah. Viola, thinking that it was actually going to be Olivia. Mm-hmm. And then a fight breaks and out. And boyfriend Justin yeah, comes in. And, you know, the expected little thing. 
it's one of those very generic brawls like okay we're just frantic camera work around like a group sort of convening around slapping each other around and like I don't know, toppling over popcorn machines and tripping into fucking balloon salesmen. It's just, it's nothing. It's, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, it's scenes. Um, Olivia tries to make Sebastian jealous by going on a date with Duke. Obs. I will say, the, uh, the gym scene when, I, meant, I mentioned Channing Tatum's great comedic timing, and it's the one scene when they're working out together, and Olivia decides to make uh, Sebastian, Viola, jealous by asking duke out right in front of her and uh she's like how many how many reps can you do and he's like 20 she's like that's twice what i weigh how many reps could you do of me and you see him and it's just like he's like counting on his fingers and he's like staring off kind of going vacant for a second like uh 40 and just like just yeah. doubling the, the amount yeah and it's very funny it's 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 good there there are a few moments with abanda Bynes and channing tatum that are there is genuine chemistry anytime that they like shake hands or there's a hug and Amanda Bynes like leans into Channing Tatum and like yeah smells his hair like it's right it's fucking good like it is it's pretty funny shit yeah they have a lot of chemistry I mean apparently I was reading that she wanted him in the role like yeah she picked him out of what like commercial work or something like oh he's yeah, gonna be a star I've, I've got a little bit movie. about that I figured that was some Bose trivia yeah that, that may come into play a little bit um yeah I, going into that double date and stuff, we're moving forward through everything. People are starting to pair up. We see how the Twelfth Night end is going to go because Twelfth Night ends with all of the characters having a happy ending. It's a comedy, not not a tragedy. So everybody gets paired up by the end of Twelfth Night, basically. Yeah, I mean, a couple of them could be a little bit, a little bit happier by the end, but this one, they really like the the final scene is like everybody's a couple. Yeah, uh, but like. But Toby is mm -hmm. actually says something about uh, uh, Eunice, right? That was her name. That sounds right. Yeah. Just the big. What what do we call those? The braces that with the wire that goes the around head, the, the headset. No headset. The whole head brace. Headgear. It's headgear. Headgear. Yeah. Yeah. That one. He's like, okay, I don't understand. When I said I liked her, y'all made fun of me, and now Sebastian likes her, and now she's cool. And he actually says, and this again, a moment that I genuinely laughed out loud. Screw you guys. I hate high school. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's about right. That's, mm -hmm. that's pretty dead on. Um, there was a cat fight because of course there was. It's, you know, considering we didn't, it wasn't too long ago that we did blood rain. Um, could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Yep. And the, the movie in game kind of goes through Sebastian arrives a day early complicates things by Olivia making a move on Sebastian who Duke thinks is Viola but Viola is not being Sebastian at the time <laughs> I I read this play then I watched the movie and then I watched this adaptation and let me tell you what hearing you just say that phrase right now I even knowing all this glazed over a little bit like yeah listeners we're sorry it's this is the story yeah <laughs> it's it's a lot of uh entangled relationships so ends with the soccer game sebastian is back in town and is playing himself and sucks ass at soccer apparently because he's a musician you gotta appreciate just showing up to school and they pull him out like hey get out there on the field and he just does not doesn't hesitate. Put up any resistance. Like, okay, let me put on the jersey and sure, I'm on the soccer team. I didn't know this. Oh, it's like this championship game. Sure, I'll go out there and give it a go. I just like how <laughs> okay. while he's on the field, at one point he goes, "Why am I doing this? This is not fun." And I was like, yeah, <laughs> "Cool." Yeah. Um, but uh, Malcolm and Monique get like the principal involved. They call him out and they say that Sebastian's a girl and he drops trow and hangs hangs dong, and everybody feels foolish. Foolish and also a little turned on. Some of them, we get some, as you would expect, zoom-ins on, I don't remember who, in the crowd, like, all right, nice. The dad. The dad actually says, that's dad. my boy. Okay. Yeah. That's my boy. There it is. Okay. Uh, and at halftime, Viola takes over for Sebastian. And it basically, it's called out even before, before the second half is a quarter or halfway over and shows herself to be who she is. They let her play. By flashing the, of course, by, by like flashing them, sure. she, she the lifts, lifts shirt instead of drops trow, 
and shows boob. She's getting the lesser charge of the two siblings. So sure. I guess there's that. Though I did like the principal. Like, they're like, where is Sebastian? He's like, he's probably halfway to Egypt by now or something. And Sebastian's like, right here. <laughs> the principal's like, he showed his whole twig and bear. I'm right here, actually. Right, right here. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know? Confidence is an important thing. Um, he's obviously a shower, not a grower. Yeah, he's I guess. Uh, and there's a penalty kick to win the game. Gets saved. Channing Tatum heads it. And Amanda Bynes, Viola kicks it in the goal for the win. And everybody kind of, yay. yay. She goes I will to say, right before this, oh. I was going to say, she goes to debutante ball and Channing Tatum meets her there and they walk down the, like, the, what, what, cotillion? Sure. Like, they, they go to cotillion together, I guess. Like, she is introduced right. to the world as, as a, a young woman. And they, like, kind of make out a little bit and then it ends. Happily ever after, a little I bit, guess. Yeah. They walk out and they just waved all the other happy couples. Everyone's paired up. Um, this final, I, there was one final point I wanted to make and it, it was the exact opposite of what I was compa- complaining about earlier with just not using the source material well or cleverly. There's, in the original Twelfth Night, you have Malvolio, who is the, the steward, the attendant to his lady, Olivia. Right. And he's just a real stick in the mud. He's always just, like, killing everybody's fun. And you have this scene of, like, the other peripheral characters, like Uncle Toby and Maria, the other, the female attendant. And they're just, like, up, like, drinking and... And, uh, you know, playing the accordion and the piano and just, like, having a good old time. And he comes in and, like, basically just yells at them all. He's the fucking, he's the fucking hall monitor. He's like, I'm going to tell on y'all. You need to quit it. It's late. And they get back at him. That's the whole idea about, like, writing these fake letters from his lady Olivia that seem to imply that she actually is in love with him. And they lead him on this long, very uh, embarrassing endeavor to show that he's also interested in her and to like communicate his love back in return in very subtle ways, increasingly less subtle ways. But she has no idea what's going on, Olivia, because she didn't write the letter. Right. But in, there's a line in the letter penned by Maria, and there's a, it's, be not afraid of greatness. Some were born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. It's just part of this long declaration of love. Right. It's also like a, a historically classic Shakespearean quote. Like it's a, it's a big one. Yeah, and they pull that out, and they turn it into the motivational, we're about to, we're in like the last, like it's a tied game, and it's all riding on this penalty kick, and they take that part of the letter, and they turn it into the, the motivational speech before they all go out and win the game. And I thought that was really, that is a clever use of the source material. Yeah, that was, that was good. In the context where it perfectly fits. Yeah, I really like that. So I, I have something so, to say points. about the soccer game that's a little less um, motivated by... Uh, academics those cheerleaders there's no way in fucking hell they're children they were so aggressively uncomfortably dressed it kept throwing me through this movie it's like I know they're at like another rival high school but like and it's got the boarding school thing going but like there's so many times like this is college though right like I know it's yeah. not I'm paying attention but like these are college students or these are adults yeah. yeah they they go to a pizza place like I expect that pizza place to be a bar it, yeah right but that's, you know, movie ends, everybody's paired up, uh, Duke with Viola, uh, Sebastian with Olivia, Malcolm with his right hand, uh, Toby with Eunice, and Andrew with Paul. One thinks. It's very 2006 where it's like, mm, we have some sort of subtle signaling that he's gay, but we don't ever really come out and say it or deal with it we're still Thank like you. in that era Thank where like you. uh i at the end of it like he he straightens andrew's like pocket square and they kind of like wink mm-hmm. at each other and and grin and i'm like oh paul's gay and Kaylin's like my my wife Kaylin is like you're just now figuring that out and i was like he wore camo pants and a wallet chain i don't know well, I guess like, he, yeah, he's in that role and you just assume they're going to go that route because that's always it's always the sassy gay friend in these roles. Or, really. or he could be the character that is secretly harboring a crush for the main female for the main protagonist. That's true. That's true. It's usually it's always one of the two. Right. But like, right. 
And it just felt like, oh, yes, once again, the time capsule of 2006. We're like, we try and shy away from these things, actually, in general. Like, the culture has, man, it's, it's just changed so much and you know, just a couple of decades, really. Yeah. Not even, but. I mean, yeah, a, a little under two decades. Yeah. Well, if that hurts. But uh, it's, it's just sort of like that. You, you kind of know what's going on here. We don't need to say it, right? We would, we would be more comfortable if we didn't say it. So don't make us say it kind of thing. Yeah. From the, the filmmakers. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, it. I don't know. That That's kind of how it ends. Do you have, do you have anything that, that jumped out at you that you, like, blew you away or you absolutely hated? I didn't really feel, you know, it's, it's an actual movie, you know? Yes, it is. And that's more than I can say for like the Christmas Prince, whatever. It's not just the flat, like sinking into the morphine that some of our choices have been. Um, and that was a refreshing change. And like, there were moments, there were performances to take note of. I had, I genuinely laughed at a couple of things and it's not like laughing at the fucking bird into the car in the snowstorm in a Christmas print, just the absurdity right. of something like something that is intended to be funny and is written well enough and acted well enough that it is. They pull it off. There are moments of that. And, uh, I don't know. I like, like I said, I really enjoy the source material and it was, it's always fun to see what they're going to do with it. And there were a couple moments of clever usage and, uh, so that it kind of surprised me. I, I, more than I expected, but then also like underwhelmed me. Equally, um, well, you saw Benjamin Kingsley as Festus right before this, so I mean, what, yeah, you don't. There's no, <laughs> and Helena Bonham Carter, right? I just love seeing her before she got fucking Tim Burton all the shit. Which, like, I love every iteration of her. I, I think she's a phenomenal actress, but I love her in the the thespian element, right? What should I say, um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. There are worse ways to spend. It just it was a little long. I, I honestly thought it's been an hour and 40. I don't know why 45. I thought it was only like 85 minutes long. I feel like it, sh it, it should have been. Yeah. They, they could have cut, they could have cut a couple. They have what, like three different all American rejects tracks Two two all American rejects tracks an okay, go track and an OAR track that I caught. There we go. They could have cut one of those and trimmed down a, a couple of things. Maybe one of the montages could have gone, but yeah, I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, um, you own it. Is it, is it remaining on the shelf? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, What's the story? Why do you own this? Is it is this a personal purchase? Uh, no, curious. no, this is a wife purchase. Okay. Um, but I mean, it's it's also, I mean, kind of like you said, it it's not a horrible way to spend an hour and forty five, but it's also a really noticeable time capsule. Yeah. Of two thousand and six, like I I think that's one of the reasons I actually enjoy it is because it is such a time capsule. Mm -hmm. uh, certain things hit me a little more uncomfortably than I expected them to because I haven't seen it in a, in a while. Yeah. But it is still very much a mid-aughts time capsule film. So, so you're there in your bedroom. You've got your inflatable sort of translucent uh, purpley armchair. No, I had a love sack. Well, no, well, this is what... Just hang with me. As you guys <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sink into this bad boy. Just listen to it. Listen to the plastic just shriek a little bit as you sink down into that. Yeah. Kick your feet up on that ottoman. Glance over at your, I don't know, uh, also translucent purple iMac on your, on your, on your desk that is um, plastered with uh, not just the desk, but maybe the bulletin board, the closet doors, maybe cutouts of Leo and uh, I don't know who to even reference here. Cutouts of like Cosmo Girl. You know, sure, yeah. All the hot guys. You got those sort of uh, the strings of the large plastic glow in the dark stars. You know, maybe they're hanging over the the doorway. Just really put yourself in there, right? And as you're putting on your very thick, just way too thick and way too black, dark uh, mascara and just your eyeliner there, and uh, fiddling with your bleach blonde highlights, what would you rather have on? Are you going Twilight? Are you going? She's the man. She's the man. Thinking about what we covered, yeah. You going? She's the man. Uh, uh, oh, damn. I, well, okay. So, I genuinely have moments of joy watching the first Twilight movie because of just right, how you, absolute garbage it is. You watch them annually, you said, right? Yeah. It's like just sort of a fun bad movie. Yeah. Watch through. Yeah. So. Oh man. But I don't know how often I laugh out loud at Twilight. Mm. 
You know, like this this movie, there are moments that are genuinely funny. I mean, like like you said, like, yeah, both Channing Tatum and Amanda Bynes have pretty great comedic timing at points in this movie. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I don't know, man, but there are uh, the baseball game and hold on tight. Spider monkey like Twilight has some absolute bonker shit. Yeah, I would. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'd be maybe less ashamed to own this movie. At least I could be like, no, 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 it's based on it's based on Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I'm required as an English major to yeah, no, 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 do it's, a thorough accounting it's ba- of all it's, the. It's based on Shakespeare. Uh, it's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. it's an academic endeavor. Thank you. There you go. Um. So that is that is she's the man. T to yeah, B. Um. What can I say? On the strength of this, I can't imagine who would choose to source it. But aside from that, yes, you should. You should check out Twelfth Night. But just like uh, watch watch the nine. I think it's ninety six. I think you're right. So uh, watch that movie, and then if you really like it, read the play. Or, you know, I don't know, watch the movie with the subtitles on. You're kind of doing it. More bang for your buck. There you go. Yeah, I mean, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I think, I think sourcing that is worth it. Um, it's it's kind of, it's got some, like, goofy moments. The 96 movie, but I enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, wasn't, uh, I won't be watching this, this one again. Uh, I probably will. Um, this, is, this is my kind of shit. Just kind of silly slapstick rom-coms that have some weird Easter eggs that I like to look for. Yeah. Well, you got multiple shits. You got this shit and you've got trivia shit from what I hear. I do. I'd love to welcome you to my corner. I know stuff. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Bo's Trivia Corner. It's been a long while. Now I'm sitting in my uh, inflatable purple armchair. I'm just cozy and back and, uh, and I'm in my love sack. Love that damn thing, dude. Got it like 2003. It was awesome. So we're going to start off with something you already mentioned about Channing Tatum. This is his first main role mm-hmm. ever. He was 26 years old playing a senior in high school. Uh, they thought he was way too old, but Amanda Bynes fought for him. Like he gives Amanda Bynes credit for his film career starting because of this movie. Before this, he did like, you know, some soaps and some bit parts and some commercials and shit like that. But this was his first main supporting slash headlining role was in this movie. And it had to be fought for by Amanda Bynes. Um, this one's a little weird and it's a little more bow coded. The soccer in this movie is bad. OK, very, oh, very. Yeah. You have some very bad. I'm not a sports guy. Okay. Uh, I played soccer all through elementary, middle, and some of high school. Um, JV, varsity, you know, that sort of stuff. Got hurt and had to stop playing. But I love the game. Love it very, very much. Just a couple of things that that were noticed about why the soccer in this movie were bad. So this is kind of like a number two in my trivia corner with different little, like, subsections. Uh, when Viola scores the winning goal, She's actually off sides. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> uh, there's no final whistle ever blown. So not sure like how the game ends or why. Uh, at one point after a goal, the ball is brought to the corner for a corner kick when it should have been another kickoff. And yet they, they focus on the fact that it's a corner kick, which I thought was interesting. And lastly, and my personal favorite, um, Illyria kicks off both times. In the game, both first half and second half. There's no alternate. Like, they just. The fact that the game winning goal doesn't, shouldn't actually count is very funny to me. I love that you caught all these. <laughs> Going a little bit into the writing of the movie, I thought you would very much enjoy this. The two, two of the writers of this film did another modern adaptation of a Shakespearean play. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they did 10 Things I Hate About You. <gasps> that's what I really wanted to do, which we got to do at some point. Yeah, we will. Uh, that's doing it right. I'm a, I'm a fan of that one. Actually. The two of the writers of this movie also wrote that film. Well, they used all their good material in the other one. Yeah. Well, they also wrote <laughs> Legally Blonde and Ella Enchanted. Like these two ladies, uh, Karen McCullen and uh, Kirsten Smith, they 
are fucking awesome, apparently. Um, and lastly, and my personal favorite, and this is this will be the the end of Bo's trivia corner. Uh, this movie actually. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is so funny to me. Uh, it takes a lot of its influence from the Disney Disney Channel original movie Motocrossed from 2001. I haven't seen that one. It's almost the exact same film, except for the one in the Disney Channel original movie. It's about dirt bikes instead of soccer. And this one had a bigger budget. Does that movie also like clearly state like, hey, we are inspired by Shakespeare yeah. Twelfth Night? Yeah. Do they use the names like the original character names? Uh, I don't know. All I do know is that the main character pretends to be another person, pretends to be her twin brother so she can be a, or a, uh, a motocross biker. And there's a love triangle. Okay. So next time. No, next time we're doing 10 things they hate about you because I also yeah, really no, want to do that. That that's going to yeah. be awesome. Uh, but that is, that is, uh, that's, I mean, there's, there's so much trivia. I also wanted to mention the fact that I know I made the joke earlier about the towel hitting the dude and actually hitting him. No, it actually did hit him. Like that's oh, okay. his real reaction. Like Channing Tatum, like snapped the towel and hit the dude right in the eyeball. And Yikes. he, that that's just they got the the full reaction on camera. Suffering for it's uh, you know it's uh Bridget Wilson and Mortal Kombat all over again, right? Yeah, he was gonna make the same noise that she made when Kano kicked her in the stomach. <laughs> Worth <laughs> it for the, the sake of this wonderful film. Yeah, uh, and the micro trivia, the pizza place they go to is called Cesario's. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just Which, thought that was, that's another good one, right? Yeah. I just thought that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a cute one, right? It's like, it's okay. And we had the Italian restaurant sounding name for the, yeah. the restaurant. Named sure. after the real person that the person in the play pretends to be. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's just kind of cute. Yeah. That's, those are fine. I like those. Um, Cause like you were saying with, with Duke, I mean, that's kind of a stretch, but some of these, you just can't really make them work in contemporary. Well, at the time, 2006 America, you know? Yeah. I mean, Toby and Andrew worked, and even Viola and Olivia worked. Yeah, right. Uh, you're not going to find a dude named Malvolio, though. It is not. No. You're no, going to find a tarantula. Yeah, yeah. And with that. <laughs> I love a little trivia corner. Thank you for that. Oh, always a pleasure. I don't get to do it near as often as I would like to, because the last couple of movies we did didn't have near as much trivia as I wanted them to. Um, guys, it's February. As promised. Patreon time, baby. Uh, we have a lovely, lovely gift coming your way. Do we want to go ahead and spoil it now? Well, yeah. I mean, we got to get the people in there, right? And this might tempt them a little bit. Valentine's Day special. Valentine's Day special. We are doing some Mortal Kombat datality. We're going to talk about some match making some Mortal Kombat characters and what dates they should go on. It, it ought to be... Um, I mean, we're, we're really hoping that, really hoping there aren't going to be any babalities after this. Oh, yeah. Well, some of them might stay in the friendship zone, but if it gets too hot and nice. steamy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And with that comes housekeeping stuff. All of that wonderful, wonderful housekeeping stuff. You can contact us all over the place. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, email, YouTube. We have YouTube now. Uh, Discord, Source Not Found Podcast. Uh, email us sourcenotfoundpod at gmail.com. Please email us if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, do you love this movie? Have you ever seen this movie? Tell us. Email us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, any questions, things like that, we'll make sure we uh, bring up on the episodes. Stuff like that. It's really fun. We'll hit mailbag maybe uh, here in an episode or two. Nice. And it is that uh, oh-so-romantic season. Even over here in Japan, where uh, Valentine's Day works a little bit differently than uh, than we're accustomed to, and we will—I'll share some details on that uh, in this Patreon episode. But I'm getting real romantic with it over on Twitch. Come by for Leisure Suit Larry. I checked; it's streamable. It's not on the banned games list, so fingers crossed we'll be okay. So we'll we'll see how weird it gets. Come come get weird. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash/lejunebug. Link down in the show notes. And when you get weird with him with Leisure Suit Larry, we're going to get weird with Leisure Suit Larry together in two weeks. Yeah. Next topic, Leisure Suit. And we're uh, coming in with uh, Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, am I going to get this right? Uh, wet dreams don't 
dry no wait wet yeah. dreams don't dry yeah wet dreams don't dry you're talking about you're thinking about the sequel wet dreams dry twice we're not doing yeah, that one. I'm, you know and they're both just such wonderful enjoyable things to say yeah to hear yourself I mean, saying to come out of roll, your mouth. Yep. roll right off the tongue <laughs> yep guys thank you so much for listening as always uh and for our patreon patrons for those of you who want to join we now have three tiers we have the sources the sorcerers and the sorcerers our sources get our lovely uh, monthly newsletter and a heartfelt thank you our sorcerers get the bonus episode along with everything the sorcerers get the sources get and those sorcerers get that monthly shout out and our eternal gratitude along with everything the other tiers get as well as the the coolest tier name I mean, it's really good. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, sometimes we do all right. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening. And as always, check those toilets for Freddy Krueger and watch out for any white vans with clowns in them. And then just a brief reminder from me, um, don't forget, tampons, great on those nosebleeds, so stay stocked.